The Staff and Graph Podcast. This is weird. My lock's been drilled, so I open the door and my steering wheel is missing. In looks for salad. You know, you're trying very hard not to get sued. You can have all the talent in the world skating around, but if you don't have a goaltender, it does not matter. Team tidy business, baby. Welcome back to the Staff and Graph podcast, part of the Blue Wire Network. I am Mike Stevens of Yahoo Sports, and sitting across from me is the future first female GM in the NHL. Nailed it for the first time with no slip-ups. Rachel Dory. Rachel, how are you doing? I am in a good mood this week. For the Wow, it's a miracle. Hockey's back, and we're doing great. This is probably... I don't know if it's going to be noticeable or not, but this will probably be like... The most cheery mm-hmm. podcast we've done in a while, just because I don't know. We're hockey's both in back. a really good mood right now. It's because hockey's back. We have things to talk about. Like the world, it, we don't know how much longer it'll last, but the world feels relatively normal for the first time in this podcast. At least this new rebooted version of the podcast feels amazing. We're in lockdown, but like, yes, there is hockey being played, so I will not complain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I am rotting away day by day but as long as i can watch hockey at night we're good to go we have so much to talk about this week obviously with hockey coming back but also just you know this is our podcast this is our group therapy session we're gonna vent a lot about a lot of stuff so might as well just hop right into headlines right let's do it all right the first one we have here pierre lutubois it's the biggest story in hockey right now he wants to be he wants to be traded i'm not surprised by this so why are you not because this okay Coming like I get I can understand why someone of his stature probably doesn't want to play in Columbus like that. If I if I had a no trade clause, I'd put Columbus on there for sure, because just in the middle of nowhere, it doesn't really seem like it's a lot of fun. Columbus is actually in and of itself a a pretty cool city. Yeah, I've heard it's a good like Like, I love every time I'm there. I love the vibe because it's not a monstrosity Mm -hmm. like Toronto, but it's also not like Winnipeg. Exactly. Like it's a it's. It's stuff been to do. really revamped. Um, like the downtown core is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, there's stuff to do. Not to mention, like if you like sports, like Ohio State is there. Yeah. Like in Columbus. Yeah, Ohio State. And, like you can you can do a whole bunch of stuff. Um, and so I get if he wants like big city bright lights that that's a bit of a different story. But the city of Columbus itself is a beautiful city. And. Uh, from all accounts, like, you know, talking to like Steve Dangle and something that was I'm pretty sure Columbus was his favorite all star game to go to just because apparently there's a good nightlife. But then again, like I can see why now there's nothing to do around Columbus. And so it's one thing to kind of be like locked inside in Toronto. At least you can look out and it's pretty. But to be locked inside in Columbus, Ohio, maybe it's a little less. But this is this is what a 20, 22, 23 year old player. He's a first line center. At the same time, though, he's playing under John Tortorella. And, they're, and we've seen them publicly get into scraps. Like on the bench in the playoffs last right. year, they were screaming at each other. Torts has changed his ways. That's yes. why he's been able to stay in the league and not become Mike Keenan. But I can understand from a, you know, a person who's only, we're only two years older than um, Pierre-Luc Dubois. I, 
I don't know how receptive I'd be to John Tortorella's leadership tactics or mentorship tactics or coaching tactics, whatever you want to say. And he's got power. Like he, he, you know, he's an athlete and we're living in the athlete empowerment era. So I can see why he'd maybe want to force something out. What, what is your take on this? I have no idea. Yeah. Okay. So there are mechanisms in the CBA, like restricted free agency that obviously prevent Mm -hmm. like a 22 year old from just walking and and doing whatever. Um, I would say that this is less about John Tortorella and, and more about his thirst for fame. Really? Yeah. Um, everything that I know about Pierre-Luc Dubois is like, he wants to be, Big city, bright lights. Like, he wants to play in Montreal. He wants to be that French superstar. He wants the spotlight. And I feel like this might be a case of the fact that um, he sees other stars kind of getting the attention and he's not getting any. But the reality of the situation is, yes, he's a very good hockey player. He's not in the same breath as Connor McDavid, Nathan McKinnon, Austin oh, Matthews. Like, no. To, but, and, and to be conducting yourself in this fashion mm-hmm. is unbecoming to say the least. And I will say that, that John Tortorella for his coaching tactics, you can't argue that he's an, it, like he's not an effective coach. No, like, he's a what? Three time Jack work- Adams winner. Yeah. It's clearly working. He's won a Stanley cup. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone had written Columbus off last year and they were, they beat the Leafs. They, they exceeded expectations. And I think this is a lot to do with, um, our generation this yeah. whole you can't talk to me Stupid like millennials. this. And, I know. And and entitlement and like you were drafted into the NHL. You were not entitled to pick your place until you're an unrestricted free agent. So to be mm-hmm. like I understand trade demands or whatever, but he has looked abysmal. Oh, he's yeah. the year. You like, tweeted I about understand this. that he scored yesterday, mm-hmm. but if you actually watched him in that even on that goal he was that that stride was not very deep. Yeah, he wasn't exactly beating a fleet of foot defenseman, and he barely beat him. You tweeted about this yesterday. He, he was he sat for the sec the last seven minutes of the second period. Yeah. He did not play a shift, and kind of rightfully so. Like he looked like shit. <laughs> to oh be my honest. god, he's yeah. been awful. Yeah, it, there's. Look. So if you want to trade, mm-hmm. and you're a player of this caliber. The team obviously wants a king's ransom for you. Oh, and they're going to get it. Let's just put this out there right now. Columbus is not going to be part of a three-way trade that ends up in Bowen Byram and um, no. whomever else Colorado got for Matt Duchesne. That will not happen. Teams have learned their lesson. Yes. That's not a thing. And by the way, like three-way trades aren't exactly the norm in the NHL. Like That was very... I can think of like two, and they both in- include the Ottawa Senators in the last like five years and they're both due to like cap stuff. It was like the Derek Brassard trade. Yeah. That was a three-way trade. Um, and there was a Robin Lehner, Toronto, Vegas. Oh yeah. But that was, that was literally laundering a draft pick for money. So, okay. Here's the deal. If like you want to trade, I I can understand anybody could want to (laughs) trade for any number of reasons. Um, the way to do that is to not crater your value. Well, I look at this the same, like Like, look at how Patrick line has come out to start the year. And now obviously like he's got an upper body injury, but that first game, he was, he was arguably their best player. He looked like rookie year Patrick Lyon. Yeah, like he looks fantastic. So if you want to be traded, 
the best way you could do that is to drive up your value. Well, I look like, at, this is not the NBA where you could be James Harden and wear a fat just, suit. That's not the same. I was just Let's about to say that. Let's also not even remotely pretend that Pierre-Luc Dubois is the James Harden of the NHL. So I look at this the same way that it, it happened with James Harden, where he's clearly not happy. He, like, everyone knows that this is not going to be a partnership that's going to be long-lasting. He knows, like, everyone knows Dubois is not going to be a Blue Jackets at the start of next season. He could be. Like, they could just say, you know what, screw this. Too but, bad. But like, but like James Harden, like, Dubois, that look, if, from everything that we're hearing, everything that's being reported, everything that I've heard, and also everything you can just see on the ice, that is a succubus on the on the the mentality of the team, on the psyche oh, of the yeah, team. Oh, yeah, like, 100%, it's affecting the mentality mm-hmm. of the rest of the team. And when you have a player of that ilk who doesn't want to be there, it's taxing on the rest of the team. Exactly. But the difference between Dubois and Harden is, yeah, Harden was unhappy. He clearly, I don't, he had to be wearing a fat suit. There's no way that you can like, that's absurd. There's no no, way that it's baby blue. Not, you can't, he looked (laughs) like, no, he looked ridiculous. And then he shows up in Brooklyn looking svelte as hell. Like it's crazy. But the difference between those two is Harden wanted to be traded. He was unhappy. His teammates were unhappy. It was a toxic situation. And yet he still went out and dropped 30, 15 and 10 every night and got a, the biggest hall of draft picks in recent NBA history in a trade. Dubois going out there and he's unhappy. Yes. Whatever reasons those are, it's fine. I'm all about, you know, the player empowerment. If you want to play in a right, big but you don't get to act like a child, but you go out there and <laughs> you play like shit and you look like shit and you get benched and you start developing a reputation as being a headache, especially in the NHL where that reputation can stick with you forever. Like it took Tyler Sagan, like moving to the middle of the desert, basically, and becoming and our winning woke, a cup, winning a cup and being our woke king, like literally winning a that. second cup. Yeah, like it, it, it's it's insane. And so for Pierre Luc, at the same time, OK, so I think about this. Dubois has been like he's he's young. He's only been in the league for like four years, three three years, three years because he took that he didn't play in his, his draft year. Um, he who's he been around? He's been around Artemi Panarin, Seth Jones, Zach Wierenski. But I mean, but like oh, veteran. I mean, like he's been around Artemi the the stars on the Columbus Blue Jackets, Bobrovsky, Bobrovsky, Panarin, and arguably Duchesne. When yeah, but there. I would say I would say like but there was Panarin a period of time where like. Nick Foligno was yeah. like he Nick Foligno's should be in the Selkie conversation nearly every mm-hmm. year. But I, I look at it as like the star players. It was Panarin and Bobrovsky. And what did both of those guys do? They pouted. They sulked. They actively wanted trades. They actively wanted out. It was a known Yeah, but secret. at least Panarin looked good doing it. I know. But that's what Dubois has been around. And both of those guys, like Panarin wanted a big city. Like literally he said he wanted a big market. It's the exact same conversation. He, he never wanted to leave Chicago. He never wanted to leave Chicago. Then got traded in the middle of Columbus for like two years. And then he was like, I remember being like, what the hell is this is going on here? Because he said, I want to play in a big city. He didn't say I want to play for contender. I remember this when, when he was a free agent. I want to play in a big city. And where did he go? He signed in New York, the biggest city. And yeah. then Bobrovsky, relatively the same way. He said, you know, I want, I want out Bobrovsky of here. Bobrovsky wanted money. He wanted money, and so he went to the place that gave him a lot of money, but he also went to Florida, too, which is a very nice place to live. Though That's essentially what Dubois, like, when it comes to hardline bargaining, like, that's... And also, it was not... It was a pretty open secret that Matt Duchesne has always wanted to be a Nashville Predator. And so, it's been... Because he likes country music. That's literally oh, been... Oh, I was going to say, because he grew up an Avalanche fan. I know, but he... But, Ever since getting, ever since he left the Avs, he wanted oh, to go yes. to the, he wanted to go to the Preds because he likes country music, he'd be fit in there, whatever. And so when he was on the Blue Jackets, I'm pretty sure it was an open secret. It's not resigning there. So during their most successful run 
with the three, I would say the three best players on the team, maybe, and three biggest stars, all were very open about wanting to leave. All were very open about specific destinations they wanted to go to. And all were, ve- were and all were very open about that. It, they okay, had to have a meeting. So here's my and thing. And it didn't go well. Here's my thing. Artemi Panarin was a star. Yes. In Chicago. And then he went to Columbus and now he's in New York. Extremely but he was trade. a star. Absolutely. Yeah, from the get-go. But done. so is Dubois a third overall pick. Yeah, but Dubois is not... Has has not been in the conversation for the heart. No, but he's the third overall pick. He thinks himself that way. Right. So he has this, this what I like to call a distorted sense of self. Yes, yes. Right? He's a very good hockey player. He's a first-line like first center. He's line a first-line center. center. He's not in the conversation with the superstars of the league yet. He's a first-line center on, like, a Columbus. I don't know if he's a first-line center he's on a He's not a, a first-line center on a minimum of 10 NHL teams. He's the third-line center on Pittsburgh. Yes, Oh, He's for the sure. third line center on Toronto. Absolutely. He's probably the second line center behind Suzuki Mon- in, Montreal. in Montreal. He's the third line center in Edmonton. If they played dry right. slide down the middle. Okay, at minimum he's the second. Absolutely. Or at maximum he's the second. Sorry. Is he he's the second line center probably in, in Vancouver. He's the second line center in Calgary, probably. Yeah. Who else like, Ottawa there doesn't are a count. Bunch, so here's my thing. Let's say he goes let, he wants to go to Montreal, let's say. I, we don't have to at, just say that he does. But look at look at what happened with Drouet. Mm-hmm. He's a French Canadian. He went to Montreal. It hasn't gone well for him. Oh, he's he's folks. Let me be clear. And that's another he, third overall pick. He's sucked ass. He's not been good. Yeah. No. So, um, Grandma does Pierre tell you Luc Dubois uh, know that if you're a French Canadian and you go to Montreal and you are terrible, that you are going to get run out of town? Not only is he, does he know that? I think he knows that. I think he believes in him. He's got disordered sense of self. But so did Duran. And how's that going? That guy probably hates his life. But he's probably, but like, you look at that, you don't go, when you're an athlete, like you, you don't look at that and go, oh, oh, I might suck. Like, like he does. You go, I'm better than that guy. And he always, right. and but what I'm saying is, yeah. is you, if you want the pressure that comes along with playing in a big city, like if Panarin signs that contract and is ass for, yeah five of the seven years or whatever it is, like, that's a huge problem. If Dubois gets traded to Montreal and doesn't perform especially, and Mark Bergevin gives up all of whatever say, assets. Especially like, with the package that he'll oh cost. Oh, my God. That guy is going to hate his life. Like, if he, let's say they trade. And I won't feel bad at no, that point. Oh, I won't. You did that to yourself. Let's, I'm all about player empowerment. If I, like, if I was an NHL player, I would want to, every time I play a sports video game, and I'm either a GM or creative player. I'm, I always choose big markets. I choose the worst big market, basically, so I yeah. can stake my claim. Like I think if you're an athlete, you unless like you should want to play for a big market. I hate this. I hate this mentality in hockey where like, yeah, I, I don't want to sign in Toronto or New York or whatever because I just want to be able to play and not have to deal with. No, if you're an athlete, if you're at the top of your game, you want to like fucking face the music, man. Like it's it's what you're bred for. At the same time, the the way that he's going about it is it. If we even look at it in 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 the hockey cult through the hockey culture lens, like this is not going to accomplish your goal, and it's going to sewer you. It's going to sewer. Oh, there's so many people around the game just because the way the game is thought right now. There's so many people within the game that are like, I don't want a guy like that on my team. There is like I look 100%. at I look at the the most the man who is who is the biggest Habs homer I've ever seen on Twitter, and also the most wrong about stuff. But he actually kind of has a point in this in Grant McKegg. 
where he that goes, I know it, it's absurd. He's he, you know, but even like when Jonathan drew came up, he's like, yeah, you know, the, the came to, came to the Habs. I remember him being like, yeah, the Habs definitely have a better center depth than, than the Leafs. And I'm like, are you, are you dumb? Are you dumb? Yes. But I saw a tweet yesterday where he's essentially like, uh, look, Dubois like got in the NHL at 19. He's been handed first line minutes basically ever since he got there. He's been given power play opportunity. You know, he's he's been he's been given every opportunity imaginable. He's been given everything, and he still wants out. I don't know if I, if I'm the Habs, I don't know if I want to bring a guy on like that. And normally, and this pains every fiber, every cell, every mitochondria in my body. I kind of agree with yeah, him. Yeah, no, that's like, totally right. Like, is he's he's awesome, and that's fantastic. And I don't want to sound like you know. Peter Shirelli where it's yeah Sagan's Sagan's really good but does he fit our our culture does but it, Sagan it, wanted to be in Boston yeah Dubois it, doesn't want to be in Columbus so I mean I'm totally if, if you've got a situation like this with Dubois I have no issues kicking him in the ass on the way out there are, there are ways to to get your way without doing this exactly and I think we've that's seen it a million times do you okay do you think a how does a team like this like because you've been in the front office You've seen you've seen kind of stuff like this. Of a small market team. Yes, exactly. How does how does a management group react to this? They're not happy. It's never a good thing when someone of that ilk wants a trade. Um, and then it just becomes you try and start a bidding war. And depending on the relationship with the agent, the relationship with the player, you basically like if you stick to your guns, you just say, "Listen, we're not trading you until we get the value we think that you you bring." And so. Mm you're going to have to play here. Like, that's just kind of... Now, you don't want an untenable situation. Do you think it's gotten untenable? Not yet. Okay. I think I think he's very close to getting himself sat in the press box, though. Like, I know I would be thinking about that based Ooh, on his play. Really? Oh, my God. Even just, like, for play, not for, like, disciplinary reasons. Just because he's just not Because he's good. been terrible. Yeah. But, okay, so that's PLD. I mean, do you think he gets traded? Yes. Like when though? I don't. Oh, I, see, for me, I wouldn't trade him until the off season. Exactly. Because he's got quarantine and yeah. all this stuff. I wouldn't trade. him So until is the he dumb? Like he has to be thinking yes, he's this. Dumb. He's like, even if you want out, you have to be looking at this and going, okay. Even if I get my, even if tomorrow I get my wish, and I get traded to the Montreal Canadiens, I'm in the, I'm in the states. Quarantine. I got a quarantine for 14 days. Ah, uh, seven. There's okay. seven with four negative tests. So I've I've got to travel across a border. I've got to I've got to first of all get a visa, doesn't he? Oh no, no he's, 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 Canadian. he's Canadian. Yes. So I've got to I've got to quarantine for seven days. I've got to that might be four games that you miss. That's a lot. That in in, in a fifty four game schedule or fifty six, whatever it's it is, almost ten percent of the season. It's almost ten percent. Like there, why not just ride out this year? Everything. No one likes what's going on right now. No one likes their situation. We're in the middle of a pandemic. You're getting paid $5 million to be a first-line center for a team that has an, has an opportunity, if you all buy in, to be a scrappy you know, playoff team to make some noise if everything kind of falls right. You have the opportunity to stake your claim on another team because, look, you're a good player and you're, and you're a first-line caliber player, but you had, what, 41 points in 74 games last year or 72? Like, that's great, but that's, that's not enough to get you the recognition that you want. So why not at least for this year, be the, be the COVID hero for your team. And then in the off season, be like, all right, I, I want out. Like I've, I've been a good soldier or why, or why sign a two year extension then? Like it doesn't make sense to me, but yeah, that's PLD. This is one that you've been really, our next headline, one you were really excited about. 
And I, I, I mean, I'm so glad that it worked out this way because I was just not looking forward to hearing you complain about this every single week that we did this podcast. Tim Stutzla. What's his actual pronunciation? I want to make sure I get it right. Stutzla. Okay, Tim Stutzla. Yep. Is being allowed to use his proper name with the proper umlaut in the back of the jersey and scored a pretty gosh darn nice goal. He did. And I would like to point out, Chris Cuthbert said like Stutzler scores mm-hmm. in German. Incredible. For the goal call. That is like when we talk about the need for like bringing people in. And unique voices. Like, do you know, like I sent that call over to my family it's in Germany. Fun, man. And like that means a ton to them over there that, that somebody like Chris Cuthbert, who is one of the best play-by-play guys in sports for my money. He's, pro- he's says, the best in hockey. Tor for Stutzler. During the run of a game. On Hockey Night in Canada. On, yeah, on Hockey Night. Like, that's a big deal. Hey, I tweeted, of course, it's against the Leafs in German. So. I don't, I don't even want to check to see if you got was, the. It was Google Translate, so it was probably it's wrong. It's probably incorrect. Yeah. But, okay. hey. But, yeah, so. That's fantastic. I'm super happy for him. He uh, is day-to-day right now, but I'm sure all will be good. Yeah. He, look, he. Speaking of representation, oh, though. Oh, man. Harder Ryan Singh doing play-by-play on Hockey Night in Canada and absolutely killing it. Goddamn crushing it. I was, he was fantastic. I was talking to someone at Sportsnet this week, just like chatting, and we were talking about this, and I'm just like, it's not fair that he is he is better than like 90% of play-by-play guys in two languages at doing this in his second language. It's actually ridiculous. Like he's better at at talking about this sport than both of you both you and I are in English and that's at least for me because I know you know you know German but that's English is my first and only language other than virgin and it's it, the fact that he's able to do this kill it in both languages. But it, I also insane, you know what? incredible. Like, we have been like, on, we went from, like, Bob Cole to Jim Houston. Now we got Chris Cuthbert. I don't know what is happening with Houston. I think he might only be doing, like, home Vancouver games or something oh, like that. Oh, that's just a gosh darn shame. Um, oh, no. But, like, now we're getting Harder Ryan Singh, and he is not an old white guy. No. As good as, like, don't get me wrong, I love CC and I love mm-hmm. Gord Miller and whomever. But, like, having somebody like Harder Ryan Singh... Rep, like representation matters. Oh yeah, and the fact that he's so fantastic at this will be inspirational to other people, and hopefully, this is kind of like a stepping off point of Hockey Night in Canada. Going, you know what? Like we recognize we need to be more diverse, and we don't have to look very far because we already had someone in our midst mm-hmm. that could clearly come in and do an utterly fantastic job. And so for me, I'm like, can I have more of him, please? Like, well, you look at he's he, great. He's on Hockey Night in Canada, and you look at the the country of Canada. It is one of the most multicultural countries in the world. It that is we are a cultural mosaic. We're it, a melting pot. No, we're a mosaic. Melting pot is when you go melt. No, there's a difference between the two. Melting pot is the states where you come in there and then you're forced to change and you all sort of meld together. And oh become, God, no, we're not. We're, that. A, we're a cultural mosaic where we all are perfect. Like, or we, we, we're I not, don't want to be that. I would rather be a mosaic. Yes, we're not a perf. We're not perfect in that sense. But I feel like what we see is we is there's a lot of great cultural representation that you know is public and there are a lot of kids. You know, a. a 
nearing a majority amount of kids who are going to be watching this. This is on the national broadcast. It was on and CBC. It's, by the way, Connor McDavid is playing. Exactly. And they're, like, they're going to grow. Like, it's think, a big deal. Like if you think about how much it, it impacted you and I growing up every Saturday watching, you know, Bob Cole. I love like, that man. Like there are going to be a lot of kids, uh, you know, of Harner Ryan's sort of culture of his creed, whatever, or even, even just people of color, like children of color who are going to grow up with their Bob Cole being Harner Ryan singing someone who looks like them being someone who speaks like them being someone who has the same sort of mannerisms and it's going to instill and he can incorporate things from his culture. Yes. So like when Nils Hoaglander scored, he said like, bring out the sweets mm-hmm. and in, I believe I want to say like South Asian people, mm-hmm. whenever there's like a big occasion, yeah. The whole thing is like you bring sweets to celebrate. So even having that level of representation where it's like somebody who is of that descent would be like, oh, that's so cool. Yeah. You know is what I'm saying? In the same way that like Tor for Stutzlo is at cool awesome. for me. Harner Ryan Singh saying bring out the sweets is a whole representation of his culture. And like that's what we need. Mm-hmm. It's, and it's, so I, I've loved it and I will continue to yeah. – I mean I'm going to watch games regardless but – I really liked Harner Ryan Singh mm-hmm. um, on the Hockey Night in Canada broadcast, and I really hope that continues. Oh, I think it, I think it very much will. And there are going to be those kids, like I was mentioning, who are going to be growing up, and they're going to look at someone who looks like them and go, "I can do that." There's no barrier to entry. There's no like, like or, there obviously is, but I mean, to them in their minds now, they're going to look at a guy who looks like them, who speaks like them, who you know could be could be them. And yeah. that that's just not the case when you look at it. Like when you look at someone, you know, when you look at an old white guy. Like if someone, you can be like, oh, well, you know, that's an old white guy's job. But now this is like, hey, I can be him. I can be the next Harnerine or I can be my own. And it's, it's going to be fantastic. It's time for plot points, though. And I love that. That is the sound of another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run and grow your business. Shopify is a platform designed for anyone to sell anywhere, giving entrepreneurs like me the resources that were once reserved for big business. And it's customized to your needs. You get a great looking online store that really helps bring your ideas to life and tools to manage the day-to-day and drive sales. And I'm speaking about this from experience. I'm really passionate about bass fishing. And a little over five years ago, I started an e-commerce bass fishing brand with my best friend, Aaron, called Woo Tungsten. Actually, it's pronounced Woo Tungsten, W-O-O exclamation mark because that's the sound you make when you catch a giant bass. And it was a no-brainer to do this on Shopify because they've made it so easy every step of the way, from creating product listings, to making discount codes, to managing shipments. In fact, if you want to see what an e-commerce store looks like on Shopify, go to wootungsten.com and you can see. And it's no wonder that every 28 seconds, a small business owner makes their first sale on Shopify. You can get started by building and customizing your online store with no coding or design experience. And you can gain knowledge and confidence with extensive resources to help you succeed. Plus, with 24-7 support, you're never alone. It's more than a store. Shopify grows with you. This is possibility powered by Shopify. Go to shopify.com slash bluewire, all lowercase, for a free 14-day trial, and you'll get access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Start selling on Shopify today, just like me, just like Wu Tungsten, by going to shopify.com slash bluewire right now. That's shopify.com 
com slash blue wire. There are the, the graphs have been off the charts this week. I know that's kind of a high, uh, uh, oxymoron, I guess, because graphs and charts are the same thing. Can't be off yourself. Whatever. Anyway, trending up. It's bad players taking bad penalties. Okay. So <laughs> you were excited to talk about this. Let's I do it. I discussed this on the Dying Alive pod, uh, which is the Athletics Pittsburgh Penguins podcast. Um, on Monday, but I just found it kind of, and by kind of, I mean a lot funny that all of Cody CC, Jack Johnson, Mike Matheson, and Zach Bogosian took penalties on their first couple of shifts, and the opposing teams proceeded to score on those power plays. <laughs> like, it's, it's just, it, it's funny. It, it really is. And I will say, Cody CC is the only one there with, like, legitimate redeeming defensive qualities. And he's already been scratched. Exactly. And Mike Matheson is injured now. (laughs) Like, it's just, it has gone as bad as possible. So, Dom Lustrician, our man, Mm -hmm. brought up a great point on Twitter. And it was one I was thinking, but just didn't want to tweet. How did the New York Rangers watch Jack Johnson in game one and go, he needs to be in the top four? I I need to know. Because he took penalties. He... Hit a linesman. I believe he was minus three. Yep. So, like, not great. I am just flat. Like, we, we brought this up with Mike Johnson when he was on the podcast. We, we talked about this all. It's not even that Johnson, or it's not even that Jack Johnson gets constant opportunities. Because he does. It's that he gets constant opportunities. Like, look at all the players who sign for league men or close. I was, so I was speaking He's to someone double who that. used to be an AGM in yep. the NHL. And we were talking, Jack Johnson came up and he goes, how much is he making? I go like 1.15. And he goes, that's 1.15 too many. It's what has he done to warrant a salary more than a Joe Thornton? Or what a, has he done to warrant a, a salary on an NHL team? <laughs> I don't get it. I just don't like, and, and what is it about? Like he might is, he must be the nicest guy in the world. He better be. So I least. would just like to point out that it's not a coincidence that He's friends the with Crosby. The more penalties you take, like the worse you are. Like, like good players don't take penalties. Why do you think Pavel Datsuk and Nathan McKinnon and even Austin Matthews were up for the Lady Bing? Like, because they don't take penalties. Ryan O'Reilly doesn't take penalties. There was a year where Ryan O'Reilly had two penalties, and one of them was for breaking his stick off of the faceoff. Like yeah. that doesn't even count. And like, Jack good Johnson, players yeah. don't take penalties, guys. Or they don't take them to the that extent. That's what I mean. Like, like Austin Matthews is a, is a runner-up for the Lady Bing every year because he just doesn't take penalties. Yeah, like, Zach Bogosian had two penalties in his first game. Like, if you're taking you a penalty, you're out of position. Exactly. You're trying to compensate. and But it's on top of that, like, what is it about every coach? And that's why I say he must be the nicest guy in the world because what is it about everywhere he goes, he stinks up the place. He's terrible. Uh, like... Both from just raw stats. If you look at his box score, he doesn't produce. And then also analytically. And yet every coach. And your eyeballs. And your eyeballs. And yet every coach, every GM, there's always a quote where they come out and they just defend him. Like the one that I have I have up here from January 14th, only four days ago, where it's David Quinn talking about Jack Johnson. He goes, I think he's got a really bad rap. Statistically, people want to harp on him, but we believe he's going to be a help, a, be a help for us in, on the blue line in a lot of ways. Well, in, if you're in helping to tank, your penalty kill, yes. In helping your penalty kill, because just through constant reps. No, no, no. If they want to tank, Jack Johnson is exactly. But they don't the want to tank. Why they just had the first overall? Like, I it, don't even know. It, it I don't know. It, 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 
And and trust me, we're not done with the Rangers. We will be touching on the Rangers in the deep dive because yes, we're going to have some fun. Uh, the second one trending down is Rachel's patience with Bayern. Okay, before you get into this, how many how many and. I, I have to I have to deal with this more than you guys do, listeners. So let me just preface something here. I want to ask Rachel a question. Rachel, how many championships have you seen Byron win in your lifetime? I don't even know because it's been a lot. Exactly. They so, won eight straight league championships. Great. So I want you listeners, as she complains about this team, to just keep that in mind. Most of you are probably Leafs fans. So I want you Leafs fans and listeners to keep in mind that Rachel at one point saw this team win eight straight league championships. And now she's going to complain about the team. Continue, Rachel. Yeah. Um, okay. So it's <laughs> not going to stop her at all. My standard for Bayern mm-hmm. is much higher than any other team. Yeah. Like the people get fired if they lose three straight games at this club. Like, I think that is the situation. That here. should be the case in, in hockey. In 2020, in the year 2020, mm-hmm. Bayern did not lose a single game. They did not lose a game. How many games they play? I believe over 40. Goddamn. Like, they... They tied a bunch, probably. They tied. Yeah. But I think their record at home was, like, 21 uh, no losses and four draws. So, like, they won 21 of 25 games. Something absolutely ridiculous like that. But, so, like, my expectations of Bayern are exceedingly high. And that's because they spend the most salary other than any other team in the league. They're one of the biggest spenders in Europe. And I just finished saying that they didn't lose a game in 2020. We are two weeks into 2021, and they've lost twice. One of them, they lost to a team in the third division. Damn. That would be like the Leafs, full squad, losing to an OHL team. I can see that. They lost to a Vamboni driver. I... And I watched the game, and I wanted to rip my hair out. I mm-hmm. was losing my mind. They gave up the tying goal on the last kick of the game and then proceeded to lose on penalties. How you are Bayern Munich and your one of your players costs more than the entirety of the other team, Yeah, and you manage to lose? Are you crazy? These people have other jobs because, like... Once you get into the lower ranks, yeah, you have to. You have to. It doesn't pay as much. You, I'm sorry. You have a hundred million dollar plus payroll, and that was the nonsense that that you subjected your fans to. Could you imagine if the Leafs, with a full squad, lost to an OHL team? The pay- I I can't imagine that, but I know I know exactly what you're like, talking what about. What are you yeah. people? What are you doing? So they're just very discombobulated right now. Mm-hmm. I am. Byron has always been the team where I'm like. I can always depend on you yep. to like never let me down. They're your rock. They're our, they are my rock. Yep. And wow, have they been abho- I think they literally forgot that Christmas break ended. Because Christmas, they came back from Christmas break and I don't even know. Like, I basically watched the team and I was like, who are these people and what have they done with the Bayern players? Like, who are these people wearing the, this uniform? I was, I remember after a podcast, I think it was the last one that we did before Christmas break watched half a game with you (laughs) while we were waiting for the episodes to export and i've never seen you more animated and just and they were like it was it was a tie game and you were screaming at my tv yeah obscenities so i i look i i admire the passion if they're (laughs) if they're your rock 
if they're the team that you can always count on, and also they're paid pretty well to do it. Like who, who's their top? Who's their top uh, uh, score that you're talking about? How much does he make? Robert Lewandowski. Yeah, how much he, does he I make? I believe he makes like twenty million dollars a year or something like. Yeah, that, that is. He's that also is. scoring. So in soccer, it's obviously harder to score than in hockey. Yes, like that's what he obviously. Makes. He is averaging a goal and a half per game. That's absurd. That's absurd. In soccer. Yeah, where like there is an average of like maybe two goals, but like combined per game, per game. every game. And, and this he's man is averaging one and a half. One and a half. He's, like, he's accounting for 75% of the offense between both teams in every yeah, game. He is like rogue. So anyways, my patience with Bayern, like if they do not pick up their socks this week, yeah. I will have a meltdown. Like I will have Terrific. a Terrific. And I cannot wait for that to be <laughs> my, on the podcast. Mikey is hoping they lose this weekend because the ornery level that I will come in with on Tuesday next week. Or I'm just going to put my, I'm just going to put my phone on vibrate, put it in the middle of this table and <laughs> see at what point it vibrates off the table. Once they lose from the text I'm getting from you. <laughs> It'll be, be like, boop, boop. yeah, it's yeah. crazy. Trending up in the NHL waiver shenaniganery waiver shenanigans there. This listen, I get that, you know, this is a weird year. Taxi squad or stay ready squad, whatever you want to call it is, is, is throwing things through a loop. But waiver, waivers are getting ridiculous now. Like that, that's yes, the most. Yes, they're getting dumb. That's the most anticipated, you know, 12 noon of every day is the most anticipated uh, uh, time in my schedule because I'm like, who's going to clear? Who's getting put so on there? What's interesting is I've been speaking to a couple of people mm. and I think the feeling originally was going into the season with the taxi squad that because you needed to have three goaltenders at all time, mm-hmm. that the goalies were going to be exempt from so like, why aren't they? The, but then they weren't. And I feel like now we're kind of having to deal with the aftermath of saying, like, the NHL says, like, you need to have three goaltenders. Then they should allow you to carry three goaltenders yes. on your roster without penalty. Like, the third goaltender essentially just, like, shouldn't count or whatever. Or at bare minimum, you should be able to go back and forth from your taxi squad without waivers. Yes. Because now you've got in a position where... Like, what if a goalie gets claimed off of waivers and then you get, like, Edmonton where they have to call a kid back from Austria? Like, yeah. that's really not what you're trying to do. And, and, and then even he has to accomplish he. here. Like, yeah, like, it's... it's For for the players, I completely understand. Mm-hmm. For the goaltending, I do not. If you're going to say a team has to have three goalies at all time, then you need to make it so that they can. Players, it's fine. You can play a game with three lines. Like, they do it in the ECHL all the time. Like, you if you yeah. are... If you are stuck, you can play your top line 30 minutes a night and, like, kind of go for it. Goalies, you can't get around that. And I, if I recall correctly, if I recall correctly, yep. didn't the NHL throw a big old hissy fit about the fact that David Ayers even got into a game? Yes, there were people that were furious. Weren't, weren't there people in the league who were like, we're going to call a vote so we can amend this situation and never let it happen again? Yes. And yet now they have created a system in in waivers that with will, the pandemic that yeah. will that has spiked the likelihood infinitely of there being another e bug in the in the league this well, year. Well, it's there interesting because be. like people are like, did the NHL not think this through? And I'm like, and when course, has the yeah. NHL thought something through? They they have made they, like we will see an e bug this year for sure. Oh yes, I'm I'm shocked with Edmonton that we haven't seen already because they are having to call a kid back from Austria and he has to quarantine because he's coming from another well, now, fucking continent. Yeah. Like, it, like it's. Salinas. And and this is com- like Edmonton needs another goalie. If they had like what happens what happens to the Leafs? And I know like Hutchinson's a thing, but like what happens if both of their two goalies because they are in like with contact tracing, 
they were in a group together. What if Frederick Anderson tests positive coronavirus tomorrow? Right. In, in the morning. And what you're going, you do? what do we do? Well, because Jack Campbell then clearly has to be quarantined for, for well, contact tracing. What the Bruins are doing is they have Halak and Rask like separate so that if one of them gets it, the other one wouldn't count for contact tracing, which is a smart way to I go. I think most them. teams are trying I to think, do that. Yeah. But the whole thing is like you say you, every, every team's got to have three goalies because of this coronavirus, but then you input something that essentially prevents that from happening. Mm-hmm. It's just really not it's, – it's very counterintuitive and it's dumb, frankly. Well, they, like, they put in like having a taxi squad is great. And they put these rules and then they institute a rule that negates one of their other rules, which is the most NHL sentence I've ever said. Yeah. Like, how did, what did we expect here? And this is not like, no, this is exactly what I expected. Like, congratulations to the devils for getting Aaron Dell. That's fantastic. Like he's, he's, he will be a decent backup for you, you know, with Corey Crawford retiring and everything. Great. This is not about that. Like it's about, no, it's about like Anton Forsberg. It's about Edmonton being put in a precarious position. It's about like, and these are people's lives that they're dealing with, too. Yeah, it's about the fact that the league came in and said, you need to have this, and then also proceeded to put in a rule that makes it exceedingly difficult to achieve the first rule. Like, it's just, it's not well thought out. It's really dumb, quite frankly. It's basically as if, like, my 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 condo building was like, as a requirement to live in here, you must have fresh tomatoes in your fridge every day. But in and, order to get the fresh but tomatoes. You're, but, you're, but you're not allowed to go to a grocery store. Or if you do go to a grocery store, you have to go through this whole thing where someone can take your tomatoes on the way back from a grocery store. Yeah. So if you, so like <laughs> as a requirement to live here, you have to have these tomatoes and you can go to the grocery store, but on the way back, anyone can take, can just take your tomatoes. And if you don't have those fresh tomatoes, you're kind of screwed. So it's like damned if you do, damned if you don't. The yeah. Leafs signed Arundel specifically so they could f- fulfill the NHL's requirement for having three goalies, and he's a good goalie. They're paying him a below average NHL salary. He's there, and yet at the same time, now that like now that they they were they got injured, basically, like it's the whole reason why they had to even put him on waivers because of Nick Robinson's injury. Now they have to now now they they lost him because of that reason. Like it's it doesn't make sense. I'm so sick of talking about this league not making sense. Trending, trending. You want to know what also is dumb? <laughs> Tell me, Rachel. The Dallas Stars not being allowed to play because of COVID, welcoming fans back for their first game. Like, are what? Listen. Listen. You, I was hoping that when they had to postpone the start of the Stars season mm. because of COVID, that that the organization was going to be like, you know, maybe. maybe we need to rethink this whole fan thing. Listen. Of course. Why would they do that? I don't know. Like maybe getting fan. I don't. I don't have access to their books, so I don't know explicitly. So I'm not going to pretend that I do. But you also have a PR wing in your organization. Yes. You are the only team in the NHL to have not played a game yet because the seventeen glo- of your players because seventeen of your players and staff tested positive for the global plague that is going on right now. The that vid. It, the vid, the, the Roni, if you will. And even if having even limited amount of fans in your stadium is necess- like a necessity for you to, uh, uh, to keep going here as an organization, to make financial se- uh, like sense, to, to not be sort of like bonked on the head by, by bankruptcy, if you will, that's fine. But your PR department in your organization must be able to dip their toe in the water and realize putting out this tweet 
is the dumbest idea. It is the worst possible optics. That is, I, I can't. Maybe just like don't announce it or something, but like. No, email, whoa. just email all That's your season ticket mean. holders. Just yeah. have an email. It doesn't need to go on you Twitter. You don't need to make it a tweet. And it's, and, and. The, people will come back as, as a response and say, oh, well, they make it very clear in the, in the replies to these tweets that, you know, they'll all be sold in pods and it'll be distance and you have to buy the whole pod. But that is not the point. People aren't going to look at the replies, man. They're going to look at the tweet that you sent out, the initial one. How are you, like you, this is your job to run the, the, the public relations of the Dallas Stars. You have to know the habits, the reading habits of people on social media. Like, reading comprehension is exceedingly hard these days for people. Jesus Christ, and guys. Will, wow, do I have some thoughts on Twitter. You later. are the only, only team to have not played a single game in the NHL this year because your team cannot stop getting coronavirus. And you are going to be one of three teams in the league who are going to be welcoming in fans? It's so dumb. It's so dumb. How on earth could, like, I, I, we, say, we have this conversation every podcast, but I really do, like, every once in a while, as a young person in this industry, I just sit back and I think, like, you know, I ever get down on myself sometimes, which is 90% of my day. And I think, wow, you know, am I ever going to make it? You know, am I ever going to, like... Am I ever going going to be, you know, reaching like the next level? Lucky to have my foot in the door, but I'm ever going to reach the next level. And then I go, there are people who like they're billionaires, millionaires who are making decisions like this. Yeah, I think I can do it. Yeah, I think I can make it. I think you can, too, if you're listening to this. It, it, this should be the this should have been the easiest decision possible for them. It was a home run. We, we thought of an alternate decision that would accomplish the exact same thing in on the fly in two seconds flat, yeah. just now email email your season ticket holders email anyone on email list and go hey these tickets are there and then if someone posts that on twitter it will get infinitely less traction than a tweet from the team account yes boggles my mind and with that we'll get into our deep dive but a word from our sponsor first Support for the Staff and Graph podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. So Manscaped just launched in the UK. It's, it's huge. They've gone years without using the right tools for the job, and you can be one of the first men or women in England to experience their life-changing products. Now, look, we've all, we've all had mishaps before. The human body has nooks and crannies. And it's tough to it's t it's tough to hit those with precision every once in a while. I, I, I've been on the I've been on the receiving end of of so, of some incidences. Let me just say that you know I, I was very uneducated growing up in this realm of personal uh, maintenance. I'd say so. There've been times where you know you walk away with some cuts and some cuts and bruises, but Manscaped no. They've redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team has perfected the the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created. And just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0 in the UK. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accents. And when I tell you this is premium, folks, this is premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes. It's taking a longer shave. If you need 90 minutes to deal with this, I don't know what, what's happening there, but Manscaped will allow you to do that. They also have waterproof technology, which allows you to do in the shower. I mean, look, personally, that's where I do it. And having a, having a, a, a waterproof tool with a motor in it, it's not going to electrocute you. It's not going to explode. It's fantastic. And one of the coolest features. Now, this touches my heart personally. 
LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer, more precise trimming. This thing's got an upgraded 7,000 RPM motor with QuietStroke technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand. You should have your motor loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. If you're listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience it firsthand. You can get 20% off plus free shipping with the code staffgraph at manscaped.com. That's again, 20% off with free shipping, no shipping costs. And everything's getting shipped these days, 20% off free shipping with the code staffgraph, staffgraph at manscaped.com. That's staffgraph, 20% off free shipping, perfect Christmas gift to give your significant other or anyone special in your life who needs it. Again, 20% off promo code staffgraph, free shipping. Well, Rachel, first week, memorable moments. Hockey is being played. I would love to just dive into this with you. But at first, you, you have some thoughts because apparently you've been duking it out on Twitter this week. Now, I purposefully didn't, I purposely didn't quiz you on this because I wanted you to explain it to me and the listeners at the same time to get my general reaction. What, what has been this week's bout on Twitter? Oh, my God. Because it, okay. it has bugged you. Yeah. So in December, like late December during the World Juniors, this man named Peter mm-hmm. decided that he was going to challenge me Uh-oh. on my evaluation of Quinton Byfield. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Lauren Kelly and I, Lauren who works for Sportsnet, mm-hmm. um, and a bunch of other s- scouts were tweeting about Quinton Byfield um, and how people needn't be calling him a bust because he isn't performing at the World Juniors. I, in fact, wrote a piece for Elite Prospects that said, your performance at the World Juniors does not dictate how successful your NHL career will be. It is what? A five-game, five or six-game tryout? Yeah. So this is what happened. This man decides he's going to tweet that he hasn't seen it from Byfield. And obviously, you know me, I have the Mm -hmm. receipts. So he said... Um, I have no positive impression of Byfield. He has never impressed me once. He's just tall. Then, I've never been a Byfield fan. This doesn't surprise me at all. So, the very next day, after I said, listen, he's going to have a great NHL career, he's going to be a star. And he goes, I'll I'll keep this tweet for that. Mm -hmm. The very next day, Quinton Byfield put up six points. Hell yeah. And I was like, Obviously, this, I know it's a small sample size, but I was like, I wonder how Peter's doing. You were just like, this you? Yeah, exactly. No, and no one survives and, this you. And, and this guy started coming at me with a bunch of interesting remarks. As he does. Um, but not, not to the men. No, to you. No, yeah. And so then, obviously, some other people saw this. I was perfectly content to ignore it. And they were like, no, this isn't okay. So they went and they went at this guy. Good. And it got to the point where he's like, I need to delete my Twitter account, which is like the third time he's had to do that because of dumb shit he's done on Twitter. Then this week. So this was December 27th. Mm-hmm. This week. Yeah. So two and a half weeks later, mm-hmm. the owner of the website that he works for. This very week. Yes. What, what website does he work for? Uh, it, well, he owns it. It's called uh, Tarps Off Sports, which. Are you fucking kidding me? Is essentially a wannabe barstool account. Let me just tell you that the owner of this website has had his credentials revoked from OHL teams. That's how unethical that's, he is. Dude, that's tough that's to tough. do. So this man 
who I would like to call um, Billy Sunglasses Selfie because you absolutely know he has both numbers and sunglasses in his Twitter handle and Twitter photo. So Kel fucking surprise here goes, why does Rachel Dory keep coming at one of my guys to the point where her followers are finding his Facebook and trying to do him because he, he doesn't like Quentin Byfield. Not one to get involved in my staff's issues, but sending people to his personal Facebook is gross. If you really can't handle being told you're wrong, but your virtue bullshit you pull has no meaning when you send assholes to harass my guys. Just because you're female doesn't mean you're above criticism. Grow up, video coach. Okay, so here's a couple things. I did not send anyone after him. I would never condone someone finding his Facebook. Mm -hmm. He has Peter from Sault Ste. Marie in his bio, so it's not a secret that he's from Sault Ste. Marie. Also, if you're going to talk shit from a public account you better be able to defend yourself like you don't don't be surprised when people find you like if you're going to talk shit from an account that has your name and place of business like or place of, of residence like it's not gonna people are, are gonna be able to put two and two together it's, so, it's not that hard so then adam herman bless his soul oh yeah replies i can promise you that the worst message your clown friend received after he instigated the entire thing doesn't come within miles of the misogynistic it's shit. True thrown rachel's way on a daily basis while she's minding her own business so it's true my friend sam yes who is on the broadcast mm -hmm. gets wind of this before i even saw it and she goes you know what's gross is making up an absolutely untrue story when one of your guys was an absolute dick acted like a giant baby when he got called out delete this he got in to an entire thread that i am now scrolling through with Sam, Bruh. where he basically said um, that just because I'm a woman doesn't mean that I can't be criticized. And I was like, I'm aware of that. My point is, is Peter over here did not criticize any of the men with the same opinion. Nope. He only went after Lauren and I. And this guy just was hearing none of it. Then he accused me of sending people to him which we then found out it was only one person who found his mm, facebook mm. and messaged him which obviously i was like that's not okay but also you acted like throngs of people were showing up at your house well rachel here's the thing uh you are a woman and he told me that i pulled the woman card and allison lucan goes we have a card <laughs> where is this being i need to get my photo taken yeah, clearly you, you, i haven't applied for it i think they have your mailing address wrong because it should have been coming in must mind. have gotten lost now here's the thing rachel um you are a woman and woman brain small <laughs> and women no understand criticism because women simplistic so he's clearly going after you because again women brain small women don't know women don't know sport women scared of sport um this guy dude this guy is so pathetic like he imagine trying to I'm be wannabe barstool and 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 failing at i just it went because you're that bad i just went first of all the reason why barstool is popular is because they make the easiest possible content out there right they they, they find a viral like it, it would take anyone with a brain to find a viral clip that's going around just steal that clip put out there with a fun caption with a with yeah. a misogynistic ca caption that'll get everyone every chad in the world rock hard by by fucking reading it and putting it out there and making your brand off that it is the easiest thing in the world i just went to tarpsoffsports.com it is 
one thing if you want to be like a successful website is make your website not look like it's designed by a fucking third grader. This it is the ugliest shit in the world. It's Have you read some of these headlines? Like I don't want to give this guy any publicity. No, I don't. But like to come after me 3 weeks after it happened or two and a half weeks after it happened with a complete fiction story like at least get your facts also right. tarps off sports is like you basically stole that slang from letter kenny and you're using it like it is the simplest this whole thing is like the, the headline i have here is the new york like the the first thing on their fucking head their their masthead here is the new york mets have fired gm jared porter for sending us unsolicited dick pics like are you fucking kidding me man you're not like that is your headline and you're wondering why you're getting credentials revoked you're wondering why you can't you're you're not being taken seriously yeah because you're because the first thing I see when I log on to your website is a headline about a a bombshell sexual assault case that you know that like thousands of women have come out and said this is something we have to deal with all the time and like you've had to deal with all the time and as a like it's it's also labeled basketball news by the way <laughs> it's you didn't even get the fucking tags right. I learned that shit when I was an unpaid contributor to Fansided. And this is the thing that you run. You don't even get the goddamn tags right. Like, unbelievable. Like, are we even shocked that he made up this fiction about me? Like, he no, literally just, just did rip. So that was Twitter. And I was like, you know what? I'm so tired of being attacked on this stupid website. Yeah, this, yeah. And I will say, though, this man named Sean Butler is... <laughs> He's quite funny. Mm-hmm. He said he started quoting Maya Angelou, but then to be funny, called her Maya Antelope <laughs> just to mock Chris because yeah. Chris had gotten my name wrong. Oh, by the way, the, the article that I just read out there was written by Chris. So he fucked up the tags on his own thing. Amazing. In- incredible. Like you never see this from successful people. You never see this from ethical people. You never see this from people who are respected. And then he told me that I condone bullying and that I am sexist to men. So there's also that. Oh, for sure. You're, yeah. da- you're extremely sexist to me. Every day when I walk in the door here, you s- smack my ass and you go, <laughs> there's, there's that piece of man meat. And then you walk in here and you say, hey, pretty, hey, hey, gorgeous, go get me a water. Yeah, exactly. And, then, and if I don't have a sandwich waiting for you here, you fucking beat my ass. No, it's... It's honestly ridiculous. And then he was like, I can't wait for you to... men. I can't wait for you to tweet out on anti-bullying day. I'm like, I don't only tweet about bullying on anti-bullying day because it's not a one-day issue, Christopher. This man, it, it, it boggles my mind that these people... But like this, Twitter is just the worst app in the world. Like, it really is. But it does bring us some solace because now let's talk about our favorite oh my God. moment of, now that we've discussed Twitter, let's talk about our favorite moment of the NHL being bad. The, gr- the greatest clip. Like, one of the, okay, the, one of the funniest things I've seen, sports or otherwise. <laughs> Remarkable. Okay, so Jack Johnson in the Rangers home opener. First game of the year. Oh, this isn't even. Oh, this is not even what I thought we were going to talk about. But yes, again, another amazing thing. Let's. Um, Jack Johnson fired the puck into the linesman. It was turned over (laughs) to none other than Matt Barzell. Now we can ask the question as to why Jack Johnson was on the ice with Matt Barzell, but that's a completely different issue. No, because David Quinn thinks he's really going to help the Blue. So, do you know who also was on the ice when that happened? 
I think I can guess. Is it your man? It's one of the one of the two hosts of the racism hour. So Tony D'Angelo gets rinsed, rinsed like on the rush. No. Like, rinsed doesn't even man cannot defend one on one to save his life. Rinsed doesn't and even all, come close to. So describing then I it. asked people to send me or just give us like, yeah. do you want us to do the your favorite Tony D tweets about what just happened? So I'm gonna read some of oh. these. This is and why Mike hasn't seen any. This is of why these. you're the best fucking co-host in the world. I had no idea you were doing this. I'm so excited. Arthur Staple, yeah. writer for the Athletic. I think D'Angelo just got deplatformed. <laughs> <laughs> Dylan, breaking. Tony D'Angelo files a lawsuit to reverse this decision of tonight's game versus the Islanders, claiming <laughs> scoring fraud that caused the Rangers to lose. <laughs> Press conference to take place tomorrow at Four yeah. Seasons Sunrooms of Long Island in Holbrook. I saw that. <laughs> and then Hannah, my sexuality as hockey player is embarrassing Tony D'Angelo. <laughs> so is mine. And then my personal favorite. Tony D'Angelo thinks he's prosciutto, but he's actually baloney. <laughs> My favorite one I saw is this is was just a someone quotes. We did the clip with no context was this is Orwellian. <laughs> oh, now that's funny. But then so our man, Sean, who also tweeted about mm. Maya Antelope yep. said, um, wait, wait, wait. I need a do over. I believe it was famous writer Tony D'Angelo <laughs> who said, be the mob you want to see in the world. <laughs> and now he's on the taxi squad oh and then he got no so then he took a penalty yes he was angry about it and took an unsportsmanlike penalty in a game in which there were no fans at yep and then he got sat in the press box for a game like it's just a, an incredible series of events yeah he got deplatformed he, he was i i i tweeted out like dude the the rangers it <laughs> I, I said something to the effect of like it took the Rangers longer to drop Tony D'Angelo than the App Store did to drop Parlor. It it's remarkable. Like I can't believe that this shit. It, it, like he he is just a walking meme. Like he this guy dunks on himself unintentionally all the time. He's not in on the joke. He is the most self righteous guy. He he thinks he's doing well. He thinks he's doing the right thing. He thinks he's you know uh. uh he thinks he's a noble, a noble uh, caretaker of the values of American decency, and he has done nothing but fuck up. It, like it would be one thing if if he just got rinsed by Aho, in that you know it, where he was forced to literally kneel. Oh my god, that was so funny in the playoffs and elimination game. But like, I don't know. It's I, quite another to get sat in the second game of the season, especially at, like right after you signed a big money deal. Yeah, as like. A, to get sat in the second game of the season after you signed a, a lucrative extension on a team that, you know, ne- is like light on defense and like needs defensive help. And you scored what, like 57 points yeah, last like year or something. They played Brendan Smith over him. Yeah. Like that is, that is, they rough. played Jack Johnson over him. Yeah. That's tough. That's my a, guy. That's a tough look. I, 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 every, when that happened, like I got at least like 10 tweets at me being like, yo, Mike's Mike's like, erect right now and i'm like yes you're goddamn right I am. <laughs> yes yeah it's incredible um other memorable moments and this is mm-hmm. maybe a little bit more personal for me um damon severson 
and Ty Smith being a pairing for the Devils. Speaking of being erect, that is like porn for Rachel right there. That is my fuel. Yeah. Damon Severson wearing a letter mm-hmm. for the New Jersey Devils. Yeah. Put that in my veins and we will yeah, be speaking gonna... about Damon Severson sure will. in the Kovalev shift because well, Rachel will be speaking about Damon Severson. Because Ms. Jim C and I are at odds right now. They're going to throw hands. Um Ty Smith scored his first career goal. Things you love to was, see. Who broke that he was uh, making his NHL debut? I believe that was me. I believe it was Rachel Dory of the yeah. Staff and Rap Podcast. Yes. Um, yes. That was me. Yep. Yep. Insider right here. Insider. Mm-hmm. Um, so I tweeted before the game because he was, nothing screams we want our rookie defenseman to be successful like playing him with Matt Tennyson. Yep. So I said, I will simply pass away or spontaneously combust mm-hmm. if I see... Ty Smith and Damon Severson out there. And sure enough, what did you God see? bless Elaine Nesredin for putting this D pair out there. Offensive zone faceoff, Ty Smith and Damon Severson. Hell yeah. And I was like, in my veins, please. Because mm-hmm. that is a pairing that is going to be formidable mm-hmm. for years, provided they don't trade one of them for an, something that isn't nearly as valuable. But yes, I was very excited about that. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a few devils that I am... Um, personally rooting for. Yeah, personally rooting yeah. for. And Ty Smith is one. Igor Sharangovich is the other one. Mm-hmm. Um, those are the two like rookies. But guys like Damon, um, Nico Heeshire, like pretty hard not to root for. Hell yeah. Um, now, Rachel... The what was great about the the Minnesota Wild and Los Angeles Kings kind of mini series is that it wasn't played in the NHL. It's played in the KHL, and by that I mean the Kaprizov Hockey League, because he was because that guy is a goddamn star. I'm really really liking the fact that I laid a bit of money down on him to win the Calder. I think he's going to. I think he I might I can't well. think of a better rookie this year. Well, we're only four. Or three I know, games but in. so far, like, but we're only but four he's, games he's, in. But it's, he's been gross. He's been incredible, and he's hit the ground like sprinting. Like usually, it takes a little bit. He's I haven't noticed anything Lafreniere's done yet. No, and Byfield's a bust. So you know we gotta. The Kaprizov <laughs> is is Kaprizov he's is been incredible. NHL ready for years. Yeah, and it was just a matter of getting him here. He and can pass the here. puck. He could shoot the puck. He wins puck battles. He's, he's dynamic. Dynamic like. Kirill Kaprizov, there's a reason he's Kirill the Thrill. Because he yeah. is single-handedly making the Minnesota yeah. Wild. Watchable. Watchable. And not even just watchable, like I want point, to do appointment it. viewing, kind of. I want to do it. Like When have either of us said, I want to watch the Minnesota literally, Wild? Literally never. Even when they play the Leafs and it was my job to watch it, never. I The Minnesota Wild have been the most boring, irrelevant team in hockey for years because... The only entertaining part about them was when Paul Fenton was there and he just kept fucking up every single time he touched anything. And the fact that they have this guy who is a rookie just being a dynamic gosh darn star. We love to see it. We really do. The state of hockey deserves this. It's called the state of hockey. There, It is the, arguably the biggest hockey hub in America, in the States. And I would also like to point out that Dom clearly had money yes. on the wild because yes. his tweets are highly indicative of fantastic oh my god it was so funny like when they tied it up i had a heart attack on dom's behalf yeah like that when they tied it up after they hit the post they tied it up with less than a second left straight up thought i was gonna have a heart episode because i was like jesus speaking of which 
Dom getting a shout out from the last person on earth I would have ever expected him to get a shout out from Jack Edwards. And 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 he didn't even butcher his name. Oh, he did it pretty well. Like both things are I don't even know what's more surprising. Uh, yeah, you know what? But I do like Jack Edwards going, I'm not even going to try and spell it. <laughs> yeah, but I remember like you, he tweeted it like Dom Dom tweeted. I'm like, I'm going to believe this when I see it. And then I watched it and I it responded to my own tweets. I saw it and I still don't believe it. Like, it's just, <laughs> yeah. it's crazy. But that's things we love to see. Our things nerd we love king. To see. Another thing we love to see is Canucks fans losing their minds. Did you see them on, uh, after the game against, no. um, who did they play on, on Monday? Uh, Calgary. They're like, Elias Pettersson is terrible. I'm like, whoa. Well, he hasn't looked good this year though. He's looked bad. Like, I'm, what's going on with him, man? I don't know. Okay, I don't... He's not terrible, but he hasn't looked good. He's having, like, a Pascal no one, Siakam type of start. N- yep, no one on the Canucks has looked good, yeah, that's though. True, because they're not a good team anymore. Yeah. So we've covered so, this a million times. Um, also, he was missing his line mate, um, which is a thing. Yeah. Um, I also think that everyone just needs to chill and not make sweeping judgments after three games. Like, wait, yep. ten. And, 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 and if they're still fucking terrible, then by all means, then um, be worried. But you knew your team wasn't going to be better this year when they gutted their goaltending and decor. They have Quinn Hughes and nothing else there. Both of the Oilers and the Canucks are a clown car circus yep. on fire mm-hmm. in their own end. Yeah, in like a They're terrible in their own end. And Elias yep. Pettersson is not to blame for that. No, he is not. Like, uh, I'm how- sorry. He's not. They really chose, like, they really chose Jake Furtanen over Tyler Toffoli. They really did that. You bet. Uh, man. Yeah. So, Canucks fans, I'm, I'm going to need you to breathe. Also, Elias Pettersson does not randomly suck at hockey because he has a bad three-game stretch. I could find you multiple. I could find you Connor McDavid three-game stretches that mm-hmm. are bad. Like, you just need to settle down and maybe try to not run a guy out of town. Has, now, the p- question must be asked. Because Canucks fans, they want more coverage. So the question must be asked. Has Leas Pedersen hit a wall? Oh my god. Here's the thing about, like, Canucks fans are always, like, there have been so many tweets about it recently where it's, look at the, look at the headlines on sports, look at the headlines on TSN, it's yeah. all Leafs, 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 Leafs. This is what Leafs fans have to deal with every goddamn yeah, day. Exactly. If you're, I then, hear about William Nylander far more than I should. Yes. I have to hear, like, you, I don't think you understand that, like, you want all this coverage this coverage is not positive for the Leafs. Yeah. Elias Patterson had a bad three-game stretch. Like, you, do you want Anthony Stewart or you know Darren Dreger going on an intermission panel every game saying you should trade him for Brandon Montour or David Savard? Shit Some like that. Nonsense. Yeah, like, like you will get that if you want. Like, be careful what ridiculous. you wish for, guys. Be careful what you wish for. That is what's going to happen. Yeah, like, Elias Patterson is not bad. Quinn Hughes is not bad. No. In, in the fact, pieces the opposite. around them that are not good. They're on shitty teams run by shitty hockey people. And it's not a, it's not a shock that they're playing shitty because they're surrounded by shit. It's tough. But Rachel, this is the one, this is the thing. Now, when we were planning out this episode this week, um, this is the one thing that we sort of like literally did a, a did a 180 turn and we're like, we're going to gear the episode around this because something snapped in me. I think Sunday. both of us are are done with various things in sport. But this is one of the main is, ones. And this is a big one. So um, let's get... Like, I'm fucking tired of it, and you're even more tired of it. Yeah. I'm, I'm tired of a few things. Um, 
that I'm just, I don't know, even know if I'm like mentally able yeah, to, like, to talk, talk about, about yeah. it yet. But like, this is one that I, I am comfortable talking about. Cause like, it's not as serious. This isn't serious. This isn't really serious, but yeah. it's, but it, it does. As but someone, it's fucking look, as someone who's in, in the industry, this is not. So look with the NHL coming back. So do the return of the whiny, bitchy reporters. It's and no, we're not looping all of you in there. The vast majority of you are fantastic humans. Literally, ninety nine point nine percent of beat writers, reporters, analysts—you're all great. You're supposed to have an opinion. You're supposed to let your voice shine out, and that's what you do. It's fantastic. You're not supposed to agree with everything that you're not supposed to agree with everything that everyone says. You're not supposed to agree with every opinion that you hear on, on like there's, there, there are things that I hear uh, uh, like even Ray Ferraro sometimes say that I don't necessarily agree with, but I'm like, you know what? He put it in a way that's easily, easy to understand it in an ethical way. I respect it. Man, there are things Mike Johnson has said yeah. that I don't agree with, which I know is shocking for all of you to hear. I just straight up don't believe that. Um, <laughs> but then we have a conversation about it and I'm like, Oh, this is a really interesting perspective. Exactly. I like this yeah. because he is a sane individual Mm -hmm. capable of having a conversation very similar to Ray Ferraro yeah, uh, and doesn't complain about having to do his job. Now this all, this really kind of came to a head because it, it, the, the, I guess what sort of uh, broke the levees here, what broke the dam was two things happened. Well, it, what, what really sort of set this all off and brought it all to light was Jake Voracek just murdering a reporter on live TV. I loved it. It was, that was, that's what I was saying when it's one of the funniest things I've ever seen sports or otherwise, because I mean, I've never seen a player go off like that. It was incredible. I've never. The Phil Kessel one was the other one. No, but that he wasn't. Or even, Dan Boyle and Larry Brooks. But that even, there wasn't even expl expletives there. And it came like this kind of to the, un, like Larry Brooks, he would kind of expect, he kind of courts that stuff. He expects it. And with Phil Kessel, he literally, it was as he was walking away. He just said, this guy's such an idiot. <laughs> Which I love it. And walked away. Fantastic. This, on the other hand, so Mike Sieski or Sielski of the Philadelphia Inquirer. So after a Which, game, okay, anything that has Inquirer in it, yeah. I'm immediately skeptical. I'm immediately skeptical because it's like state-sponsored media. Like I'm, I'm worried about it. Like the National Inquirer is yeah. literally just stuff. So I, I, like you're watching this, and it's him and Travis Konechny at the podium, and he just goes, and Mike Sieski hops on, and here's. I can see I can, uh, coming from someone who doesn't want to put up with this shit. Right. I can look at it from Vorchek's perspective. And I think, I think what, what made him snap there was the tone that Mike Zeski used because it was like nothing like usually, okay. It was like nothing was wrong between them. And this had been brewing for a while. And we're going to get into the history behind this and why, right. but like there have been times I, I'm, I've, Look, I worked a professional beat for three years. Covered the Marlies, covered Sheldon Keefe, who's an NHL coach now. The Leafs, like the Marlies are the most professional, um, uh, are the most NHL caliber sort of like media-wise. Without a doubt. When it comes to AHL teams. Like, other than op not opening the dressing room, it was basically the same. Like, yeah. there are a lot of hoops to, to run through. They protect their players. They really sort of like clamp down on anything that might be, you know, not triple-checked. And... There have been times where, like, not gotten into it, but there have times where Sheldon Keefe has shot me the death stare. I remember specifically there was one time where, you know, Dimitro Timishov was, he's a lineup regular, and he was scratched after, you know, the game after a huge blowout against Providence. And I asked Sheldon Keefe, you know, 
was the was the 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 performance in Providence from two nights ago a reason why Timoshov a scratch? And he just I remember the stare that he gave me, never forget it. Yeah, and it was, he was just like, yep, and just like kind of kept going. Or there have been times like, you know, it happens. But if so, you kind of then approach it in a more respectful manner. And Sieski hopped on with the arrogance, with a Simmons esque arrogance, that I could just tell. Voracek was like, we're not friends. You think you're comfortable here? And he just popped off on him. And it was, you know, I'm, I wasn't, wasn't even going to answer your... Th- Actually, I have the actual... Yeah, he basically... I think I have the actual... Said, like... Yeah, so it's, does it matter what I say, Mike? You're going to write fucking shit every time, so it doesn't matter what you say. Yeah, it feels different. I mean, we got four points out of these first two games. Uh, I wasn't even going to answer your question because you're such a weasel. It's not even funny. Next question. And Travis... Travis Konechny was the best part of that Travis Konechny's reaction, I am going to use that gif until the end of time. I have screenshots from it that I did myself because I'm like that. It's so funny because like it'd be one thing if this was like a premeditated thing. That was live. This was you could clearly tell the Voracek was just like, fuck this guy in his head and just went oh, off. You on could him. see the moment that it snapped. Yeah. Like you could just see he, it because he put it. He rubbed his face and then he just went off. OK, so. Of course, of course. Yeah. Sam Karkidi. Yeah. This fucking guy, man comes out and tweets uh if Voracek had an issue with Mike he should have addressed it privately how <laughs> do you expect this is what I tweeted this at him but like this I'm glad you brought that up because the there is don't worry about the pandemic or anything it's fine first of all like this guy so I want to get into the history a little bit behind this to show why it's a thing and and also let's let's also say it is not incumbent on a player to go up to a reporter it shouldn't it's not on him no your job is to cover this player so your job is not to be friends with them you're not to be friends but if you feel like there's bad blood brewing brewing between you two it's your job to mend the bridge it's your job to create an environment where you can do your job professionally this is something this is Voracek didn't create this environment right this was all this was all created by Sielski. And the fact that Sam Karkidi is putting it on Voracek to to mend that bridge, it's not on Voracek to do it. It's not on the player. If I'm of the belief, and we are going to get into this very in well, I have I have the I have this history up here. If you are going to write what Mike is about to entail about any player, if you are going to cover someone in this manner, you don't get to be upset when no. they call you out. And this has been going on for a very long time. So it starts off... It starts off with, with some weird stuff because essentially this guy, this guy is Philadelphia's Steve Simmons. He makes up shit. So, for example, on uh, it started in fucking 2016. So on a, on a game um, in March 19th of 2016, Mike Sielski tweets, the Flyers are collapsing and it's Jake Voracek's fault, my column. On that same day, an hour, an hour later, he goes, the Flyers need to fire Dave Haxall, trade Jake Voracek and bring back Jay Rose Hill, my column. Okay, wow. Yeah. Then... I immediately do not care about his opinion. Exactly. And look, if those if those tweets are, are comedic in, in, in a sense, fine, like whatever. Like if it says my column, but there's not an actual link there to any column, like I it's don't one think of there, those. I don't think there is actually a link there. So he clearly did that as a joke. But again, you're like you're a beat writer. You don't get to do that. Like, you don't... Like, if you're, if you're an analyst, whatever, you can make jokes. It's fine, whatever. You can be sarcastic. But if you like... If you travel with the team, like if you cover that beat, like you can't be making, you can't be saying this shit. Like no. you have to do it in a more professional way. And then, so this was later on June 18th, 2019. He goes, if Drew and Voracek are still the team's two best players two years from now, this franchise will be in utter despair. Then 
on January 15th, 2021. No, wait, this is from a, this is from an article that was in the, in the inquire from, uh, uh, October 31st, 2019. It's, uh, Sielski outlined sort of a, a meeting that Vigno, uh, Vigno had with the whole Flyers team um, and essentially was was saying, you know, there were back to back lopsided losses against the Islanders and Penguins compelled the coach to send a message. And one of them was on hand to hear it. And apparently, as Sielski put in the article, Voracek sat there and laughed. That's a pretty big accusation. That never happened. Making. How would a how would he know that he wasn't there? It was a closed meeting. How would he know that? B, that never happened. That's been proven that it's never happened. He made up a baseless claim. So there's all that. And what then, are ethics? And then there's another one where it's more of a, even more of a joke, like a, a sexist joke now, because uh, uh, Sam Karkidi on May 3rd, uh, 2019, um, tweets out a column that's, you know, trading Jake Voracek for PK Subban makes sense for the Which Flyers. Which it doesn't. It doesn't, but whatever. It's a hockey opinion. Fine. It's, it's right. fine. You can have your opinion as long as you even can if back it's, it up. Even if it's wrong. It's fine. It's not There's offensive. There's nothing wrong with that tweet. Yes. And then Mike Sielski quote tweets it and goes, trading Jake Voracek for Kate Smith makes more sense for the Flyers. My column. I don't know who Kate Smith is. Uh, she is, uh, she's passed away now, but you know how in the playoffs, like the Flyers have Lauren Hart sing God Bless America, and then yeah. they go up to the Jumbotron and there's that old lady singing it. That's Kate Smith. So she's, I believe, sang God Bless America in the Flyers playoffs the year they won the cup and like, they didn't lose a game or something, whatever she's saying. So it's like this tradition. Um, but yeah, that's not necessary. It's ridiculous. I would also like to point out that Sam Karkidi is the guy who in the bubble said, mm. uh, if we can just forget about social justice and focus on hockey for a second. Yeah, which is the dumbest sense I've ever heard. And he's and then he then tried to to back it up and, and also There's li- no backing that up. Listen. I'm all about like if we could just forget about the global pandemic for a second and focus on hockey like what? Well, no, it's, it's all, can we, if we can forget about like racial injustice first, he was literally saying, if we can forget yeah. about racial injustice for a second, focus on hockey, no one gives a shit. And we, we cover this at the time. No one gives a shit about your goddamn argument or your goddamn column about the power play. No one cares because people are dying in the streets. And for you to say, let's just people are being killed by cops, people are being innocent. People are being killed by cops for the color of their skin. And for you to for the purpose of writing a sh- probably shitty column about the fucking Philadelphia Flyers power play. And for you to say, let's just sweep that all aside for a second so I can get this info that benefits me and probably only me is ridiculous. So I'm all about defend. Like if something has happened, for example, I was on a beat with Haley Salvian, one of my best friends. And when, when Dean Blundell went after her for literally no reason, everyone came to her defense, including me, because it was bullshit and it was clearly violating ethics and had nothing to do with her professionalism. So I, so Karkidi and Sielski both work for the Inquirer. And so for Karkidi to go out and say, yeah, you know, if, 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 uh, if Jake had a problem with, with Mike Sielski, he should have addressed it in, in private. No. No, that's wrong. And also... How the fuck is he supposed to do that, Sam? Yeah. Oh, in breakout rooms on Zoom? You can't do that. You can't, like, that is not up to Giroux, who just played a hockey game. It was also a dumb question. It's like, what's the, is there any difference in the atmosphere with no fans in there? Of like, course yes, the fucking is. Like, I could tell you that. Anyone could tell you that. You, as a reporter, sitting in that, in that arena could tell you that. And so... For this guy to come out and, and, and just baselessly defend this guy, it's perpetuating the, the fucking old boys club and all this and also it's just wrong like this is he has shown a 
a repeated dis it's not even just if you don't like a player that's fine you can tweet it out that is fine i've like as much as i didn't like cody cc playing for the leafs last year and i tweeted about it a lot i never attacked his character as a person you never i never attacked his family you never accused never him of accused anything. him of doing anything never made a basic accusations it was just i don't like the way this guy plays hockey i don't like he's how he's used by the leafs the team that i cover so i you can write about that case in point don't like cody cc as a hockey player this is different this is they should like this is a guy who works on the beat this is not an analyst this is not a a, 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 a tv dude a tv dude this is not a guy this is someone who sees these guys every day it's his job to cover the team it's his job to create relationships with these players for him to go out and say make repeated jabs at this guy and also at this one player in specific all this one player and then as well to to say the even if it's a joke the flyers should trade voracek for kate smith for an old lady yeah i pretty actually no she was dead for a dead old lady that is so unbelievably a disrespect, disrespectful because you're you're putting down kate smith in that as well you're putting down jake Vorchek. it's also so unprofessional you have a job and this is going to tie into our steve simmons conversation here you have a job that there are thousands of people who are young hungry people right who who are better than you at it who would kill to get even a sliver of a sliver of their foot in the door right and here you are, and this shows a blatant disregard for the privileged position that you hold in sports media. A blatant lack of... Dude, every day I wake up, I'm, I'm, I kiss my lucky stars. I don't even know if that's a thing. I, I, I thank my lucky stars that okay. I'm able to do this for, for a living. Because you work at the candy store, you get to cover a team and a major market team. And you're going to use that platform to do this? Yep. And so that brings us to Steve Simmons. And this is the thing. This is the straw that broke the camel's back for me. This is the thing that drove me off a cliff. Because Steve Simmons tweets on Sunday, January 17, 2021. As TSM Bob McKenzie said, once said, if I wanted to study math, I would have been an accountant. No one told us we would have, ha- we would have to understand these weird pandemic sa- salary cap restrictions and permutations in order to cover hockey. First of all, Rachel. Yeah. I'm just like... I don't even, I'm floored. If no one told you, you would have to understand the salary cap during a pandemic to cover hockey. You either have a terrible editor, number one, or you're, you're not cut out to do this job. I'm sorry, but it's one. Okay. So it's one thing. Steve Simmons has been, you know, vehemently against analytics for years. Clearly. But you know what? Fine. Fine. They're, they can be difficult to understand. Not every team abides by them. Not every person abides by them. Not every person in the sport abides by them. They're there to help. You know, they're growing in popularity. They will once be like, you know, but if you don't want to abide by that, fine. But to say this about the salary cap, your job is to cover the NHL. Right. And the NHL operates on the salary cap. Therefore... You have a requirement, not, not a gentle nudging to do so. Like an actual requirement. Like it is part of your job, in your job description, to understand the salary cap. To even have, at the bare minimum, a cursory knowledge of it. Right. How does it work? What are the mechanisms? And if there's things that change, you have a responsibility to, do, to 
understand them because being able to report properly and give educated opinions on the team requires you to have that knowledge now. And also it's your job to explain this. Your job is to explain this to people and have them understand it. Like I was listening to the Steve Angle podcast today and they had Eric Engels on and he, and he, he was up front saying it's very confusing, but he explained all the salary cap mumbo jumbo that has to go around, you know, what, what the, what the Habs are doing with Romanov and what, and, you know, Corey Perry and the way, and, you know, waivers and being exempt for 30 days and stuff like that. Once you clear, he explained it in a, in a, in a way that yes, he acknowledged that it was confusing, but that's his job. His job is to cover this sport and due to, and due to the fact that this sport operates the entire the entire modus operandi of the sport is is built upon the salary cap it is your it is your responsibility it's not your job it's your responsibility to understand it and even if you don't understand it that's one thing right but to tweet this out that you don't you shouldn't have to do it or whatever like now, it's, it's it's dumb now normally this wouldn't be a big deal to me. Right. This would be Steve Simmons being a fucking idiot once again. Kill surprise. But then I, but this broke the camel's back for me because I'm sitting here. We're in the middle of a fucking pandemic. Right. So many people are out of work. So many people have had their hours cut. I've had my hours cut. Everyone's been impacted this from a, you know, a workflow point of view. Right. In some way. There are people out there who, you know, are waiters, bartenders, you know, all that kind of stuff who don't straight up don't get to work right now. And Steve Simmons is one of the privileged few who does get to work. Right. It doesn't, his job doesn't get impacted by it. And on top of all that, there are thousands of young, hungry journalism students, sports media students, people who have, who have worked for free, clawed their way to get through school you know, who are in debt, who are hungry, who will work for peanuts on the dollar, you know, pennies on the dollar to even come close to holding the role that Steve Simmons does. Right. Who understand this and are more educated and more versed in one of the pillars of hockey operation, NHL operation. Right. And Steve Simmons is. And yet Simmons, after repeated fuck up, after repeated fuck up, after dis after disrespect, after disrespect, after blatant, blatantly um, fabricated report, after blatantly fabricated report, gets to keep his job in the middle of a pandemic. And meanwhile, we have students who've had to move back in with their parents, who have had to, you know, who, who could be getting evicted, who who are waking up every morning wondering if they will ever have a future in this industry. And Steve Simmons gets to sit there behind his Twitter account and make a joke about math is hard for me and I don't know. And uh, it is so dumb. The NHL is dumb. This this pissed me off because I'm sick of him getting away with it. I'm sick of this. Yeah, like it's 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 just so disheartening that like every week there's something with him where he just he just cannot keep it together like it's he doesn't want to do his job it's he's laziness com- complaining about this or he's he's writing hit pieces on another like on william nylander or kyle well Davis. he's asking was, racially charged questions yeah to, to masai ujiri and then and then he's shitting on the black female reporter who followed it up by and, and questioning her credibility this is laziness and yeah. when you have like he you are in you are in an, a, an ivory tower when it comes in the hockey world, Steve Simmons, you have yes. a you have a paid steady columnist job at a fucking newspaper. Newspapers are dying and you're able to keep that in them. Again, keep this in mind in the middle of a pandemic. 
Right. Pete, having a job at all in the middle of the pandemic is a feat of impossibility that most people just straight up cannot even dream of right now. And yet you have this. Right. And so for you, you should be thankful. You should be thanking whatever God you pray to every morning right. that this is your life. You get to wake up and cover this sport while people are, while, you know, while people are out of work, you're able to keep this. You're working for a dying me. You're working in a dying industry, right. newspaper, print media, and you're able to keep this, keep this job that you have, even with all the shit that's, that's come in the past. If I dodged as many fucking bullets as, as Steve Simmons did, I'd probably deactivate my Twitter account at this point because I'd be, I'd be thanking again. I'd be so goddamn thankful that I still am, am able to, to get paid for this. And yet here he is out there evoking the name of Bob McKenzie as well. Yeah, no less. To just mock essentially the fact that, yeah, I got this job and I don't even understand the salary cap. It's, it's a nuisance for me. Yeah, Meanwhile, everyone, every kid out there who had to go through journalism school, who took it upon themselves on their own hours to memorize the salary cap. Like there's a guy, Earl Schwartz, great writer that I used to, I, I, you know, I, I used to be the editor for at right. Leafs Nation. He was on my staff. Great, great guy. That guy, he's not even taking journalism. But he took it upon himself to essentially memorize the CBA on his own hours so he could understand everything and be a free source of information for a topic that is confusing to a lot of average fans. Right. He was in. And as someone who has read the CBA, yeah. like it's not a lot of fun to read. No. And it, he is. But the salary cap is not that hard to it's memorize. It's really not. It is addition and subtraction. And. For a guy with this platform after everything, like I will always remember Steve Simmons, like game one of the Calder Cup finals in Toronto. Every, every hotshot media person is there loving it. Steve Simmons comes, they're all wearing suits. Right. You know, it's the last, like the Stanley Cup's already being awarded. This is the last hockey being played. So, and it's in Toronto, no less. So every media, every, you know, Sportsnet, TSN, CB24, fucking global, everyone's there. Steve Simmons walks into the building. He's got a fucking Hawaiian shirt on. <laughs> And the press box is like 15 people big. And even like I was sitting in between Kristen Shilton and Chris Johnston, who are two of the biggest names in here right now. They cover the Leafs, which is this is the farm team. And they were in the extra press seating. Steve Simmons walks into the press box. He gets a seat inside the press box. Number one privilege right there. And then he's going and then and then he's again wearing a fucking Hawaiian shirt. And then we're waiting outside the dressing room to you know ask players questions he's complaining that they don't even open up their dressing room this guy has no respect for the industry that he's in no respect for the sport he covers no respect for his position of privilege and this is far from the worst thing that he's ever he's ever said this is far from the worst thing he's ever tweeted he said a lot of pretty goddamn like accusing Jeannie bouchard who was a top-ranked or not accusing saying of Jeannie bouchard who was a top-ranked female female tennis player at the time when he said this that she's just a pretty face now. Stuff like that. Yeah, it's just, it's so horribly unprofessional. And it, it's terrible to see that the guys like that essentially have tenure in this industry. Now, he does work for the Toronto Sun, which is the ass of newspapers. But he's done stuff for TSN. Yeah. You know, he's... A, it's he, interesting to me, though, that they've pulled him off of TSN. Good. But, like, you, you never hear Elliot Friedman quote him never you never hear chris johnson quote him like that i'm my hope is that we get more people like chris johnson or even like 
both Jeff Merrick and James Dothy have tweeted in the past 48 hours about the shit that women have to deal with, yeah. either in society or in sport. Like, that is the kind of vocal support. But the fact that we still have guys like Steve Stimmons around, I mean, it's it's nice to see guys like Chris Johnson who, who work their ass off and are, are really good at what they do and whatever. They have their jobs. Um, but when you have somebody like Steve Simmons, like that guy being able to keep his job is just a stain on the industry. Like it really is. It is actively hurting. And, and he, this is what he is doing. This is actively fostering and perpetuating the gatekeeping of this industry. It's barring, it's barring people from these jobs. It's barring, you know, young hungry reporters from coming in. Steve Simmons is like, he, he doesn't write anything of value anymore. He doesn't report anything of value anymore. He is there. He is a he is a a, a rage click essentially uh, a farm. But because we have like Peter from Sault Ste. Marie and Billy Sunglasses selfie mm-hmm. and Bobby lots of numbers, yeah. like those are the guys that read Simmons. And unfortunately, they make up a segment of hockey I fans. Know. And what we need to be doing is getting writers that can attract new hockey friends. Steve Simmons is not going to attract any new hockey fans. But somebody like Haley Salvian, oh, yeah. she will. Like, you need voices that will do that. Look at how many fans Steve Dangles created through yeah. his videos. And he's being upfront. Like, it's one thing to not understand the salary cap. It's a it's a basic... Also, Steve Dangle is not a, you know... Reporter. He's not a reporter, but... He yells into a camera. And also, like, for Steve Simmons to, like, sit there and question anyone who complains about him by literally saying, like, I'm here surrounded by all my awards. Like, that is the biggest, you know, SDE. I'm just gonna leave it at that I've ever seen. Yeah. But, like, it's one thing... If you want... Let's use Steve as an example. It's one thing to not understand what's going on in the salary cap. It can be complicated, but if it's your job, you should fucking know it. If, if he's talking about, if I wanted to study math, I would have been an accountant. Great. Well, if you're an accountant and you don't understand property tax, you're not going to be a great accountant. No. And you can't go out. You can't go to your boss and be like, Ah, sorry, I don't know. Uh, if I wanted to be a property, if I, you know, if I wanted to to know all about property taxes, I would have been a, a realtor. What's your boss? He's gonna be like, What the fuck, man? Like, I hired you to be a goddamn accountant. Yeah, like, you can't come in my office and say this. This is what's he. This is what he's doing. His boss had to see this and be like, A guy who probably makes six figures you know, from us or close to that is saying he doesn't understand arguably like the most important thing to understand about the operations behind the scenes of the sport and it's laziness. And so Steve, he was up front when the, when the salary cap first came in, he didn't understand it. No one did, but he took the time to learn about it. He took the time to know people and bring people in who did know about it to promote those voices to help them come into the industry as people who did know about it and to learn from them and to it was and, it would literally be the equivalent of me being employed by an nhl team and for for video and being like i know how to cut the video but i don't know how to uh, how to upload it to the server there well, wasn't like you're missing a sort of a key component of being able to do your job so there was a like when i was on the marley's beat there was a like their version of hendrick like they got a new one and that person wouldn't go up into the press box with us. They'd stay down in the tunnel and essentially watch what we thought was watch it over the monitor. But instead that person was essentially on Instagram or Twitter the whole time. And I remember specifically 
you know, this is a person who his job is to report on the team and did a terrible job. She had, you know, that person had to read off essentially a clipboard, these questions, and it just looks so unprofessional and then was invited to be, you know, part of a puck talk thing, which is again, a very prestigious thing. You know, at the time I remember being like, dude, I'm a Marley's beat writer and I didn't get asked to do this. And I know more about this. Like I'm, I'm a little annoyed at this. And I remember one of the Instagram stories she put out there was, you know, uh, it was during a game in the tunnel and it was, you know, Oh, I got invited to got invited to, to speak of this thing. Looks like I got to learn what the blue line is. And it's like, whatever, it's a joke, but like, that's your job. And no one liked this person because of that. Cause it denigrates everything around you because it, it is mo- like there. Are, and I know so many people who would, who have, who auditioned for that job, who are much, who are better and more knowledgeable and just more well-rounded and hungrier yeah. and more deserving. And yet that person got it. That is a slap in the face to all those people, a slap in the face. And this is exactly what Steve Believe Simmons me, is doing. She's not the oh, only one. I know, but this is a, this is exactly what Steve Simmons is doing with this. Like I said, far from the worst thing he's ever said, far from the most offensive thing he's ever said, the fact that there is a fucking litany and a library of this and archive is, should kind of tell you all you need to say about it. But this broke the camp. This, this was the straw that broke the camel's back for me because as you know, as a person who was a young person who was fighting to get into this industry and you know, everyone when no matter what you should be, when you get in here, you should be fighting to stay in it. He's essentially flaunting his privilege during a pandemic when jobs are shrinking, when really, really qualified people are getting laid off who are more knowledgeable and talented and versatile than him. And he's going, ah, this whole salary cap thing, you know, the whole thing the league operates on. This is so complicated. I, I hate going into work. Yeah. Fuck you. Fuck you. Get a grip, man. Be lucky that you have the platform that you do. Yeah, and like be appreciative lo- of it. For the love of God, fucking use it for good for once in your goddamn life. For once, use it for good. Literally one time. Just stop, one time. Be- stop being a dick. I'm so sick of this, man. You want to block our podcast account just like you blocked mine for no reason? Go ahead. I don't care, but stop. Just do something of good value. Write, write, a, write a puff piece about someone who's not a hockey man. Amplify a voice. Learn, ask someone who knows about the salary or cap. How about just this? How about just treat people with respect? Just do your job. At the baseline, just do your job. Yeah. Fuck, man. Just, ugh. I needed to get that out since fucking Sunday. So thank God. Sorry for swearing so much, Rachel's grandma. I apologize. She's definitely tuned out by now. Yeah, that's true. I said Man. way too many swear words earlier. It's just, I think the the, I think the, the thesis here is that you should have to earn your job, yeah. and there are many people that have. And the problem that we have is there are many people who have jobs that have not earned them. Yes, because meritocracy is not an actual thing. And Jacob Voracek was in the right for doing what he did. And if you are gonna mock, oh yeah, this is a Jacob Voracek fan yeah. podcast yeah. now. And yeah, if you are gonna stand. if you are gonna openly mock a player, you cannot be you cannot you deserve to be chastised. You cannot clutch your pearls. Yeah. When he comes back at you. No, you deserve to be publicly trust chastised. Yeah. Let's get into the Kovalev shift, shall we? Let's do it. Kovalev was a great shot. Scores. Alex Kovalev. Score! It's Kovalev. Kovalev scores. Oh, baby. So Rachel. What you said about this week? If I hear one more person or see another tweet about Damon Severson 
being overrated. I am going to lose it. I'm already on the verge, and we're only three games into the Let's year. set you off with this. Okay, so Corey Massasak, who writes for The Athletic, um, for the Devils, wrote a piece on the game, like, he 10 takeaways, like, yeah. whatever the case may be. Um, he wrote a piece and uh, talked about how good Damon Severson has looked. He has, without competition, been the devil's best defenseman to open the year. Mm-hmm. Really, without competition? Like, yeah. just far and away? He, okay. Far and away. Um, he has somehow been paired with Dmitry Kulikov, and Ooh. Dmitry Kulikov is rocking a 70% possession rate because he's playing with Damon. Which is roughly, I would say, what, 30% higher than he usually does? Like, yes. It's, it's about 25% yeah. higher than usual. So our man Jim C. Yeah. In the comment section. Athletic subscriber. And yeah. keep in mind, the athletics comment section. It's just a bastion of great discourse. Oh, oh man. Jim C. Am I the only guy who thinks Damon Severson is dramatically overrated? That was a tremendous pass yesterday for the OT winner. That said, he looks like a four to five to me every time I watch him play. I think I can name three better D or more on every NHL roster. Okay, so do it. So I would like to play a game with you. Let's do it. Let's go. I would like you to maybe let's run down a few teams, maybe their division, the devil's division. And I would like you to read me the top three defensemen on on each team. And I'm going to tell you if I would rather have Damon Severson over any one of these players. Because, folks, just taking a cursory look at some statistics here, uh, last season, in which the Devils were not good, to say the least, um, he was in the top two for high danger chance percentage, for expected goals percentage, for possession percentage. And this year, he is tops in high danger chances for... He is tops in possession, him and Kulikov. He is tops in scoring chance share for Devils defensemen. And all of these numbers are hovering between 60 and 70%. Which means the Devils are decidedly not playing in their own end when Damon Severson is on the ice. So let's play the game. Let's play the game. Okay. So I have in front of me the cap-friendly defense charts for every team in in their division. Excellent. In the East Division. Start with Boston. Okay. Charlie McAvoy. No. Like, Charlie McAvoy is better. Would I have Severson over this defenseman? No. We have three. Okay. Keep in mind, we're trying to do this. There are, he said, there are at least three defensemen on every team in the league who are better than David Severson. Yeah. Charlie McAvoy, better. Matt Grizzlick. No. Yeah. Okay. Brandon Carlo. I would take David Severson over Brandon Carlo. John Moore. Okay, the rest of them, that's not even... Kevin Miller, Connor Clifton, no. Okay, so Buff, so Boston, There's off one. the table. Let's go to Buffalo now. Rasmus Ostrelainen. You take Damon Severson over him. Colin Miller. I would take Severson. Yep. The Bra- only defenseman in Buffalo I would take over Damon is Darlene. Okay, yeah. Brandon Montour, no. Jake McCabe, no. Nope. Darlene, yes. Yoki Haru, no. Matt Irwin, no. Okay, so already two teams in the division, failed. Let's go to the Islanders. Nick Letty. I would take Severson over Nick Lenny. Okay. Ryan Pollock? No, I would take Ryan Pollock. Okay. So that's one. Cool. Again, we have to say what he said is there are three players on every NHL team who are better than David Severson. Adam Pollock? 
Mm, maybe. Okay. It's two. Scott Mayfield? No. Noah Dobson? No. Sebastian Ajo, the other one? No. Andy Green? No. Okay. Failed again. New York the Green. Islanders have been the closest so far. Yeah, they had two. I had to think about that. They had two, but again? Two, maybe what is, three. Okay. But what is what are the criteria? It's three. They had two. Yeah. Out again. Rangers now. Truba? No. Okay. Like, I would take Severson yes. over Truba. Tony D? Uh, I would take Tony D'Angelo on play, not on anything else. Really? You, like, all like, around play? Uh, okay, I would take either of them. Like, it's a tie. Okay, toss-up? Great. Brandon Smith? No. Jack Johnson? No. Keandre Miller? Right now? Right now, no. In the future, yes. Yeah, but we're talking about right now. He can name three three defense on every NHL team right now who are better than David nope. Severson. Okay. Ryan Lindgren? Absolutely not. Adam Fox right now? Yes. You take him right now? Yes. Okay, so that's two. Failed again. Philadelphia Flyers. Ivan Provorov. I would take Provorov. Cool. Travis Sandheim. I would take Sandheim. Okay, so he's got two. Eric Gustafson? Nope. Philippe Meyer? Nope. Myers. Justin Braun? Nope. Robert Hag? Nope. Mark Friedman? Two. Failed again. Who? Mark Friedman. That's not a person. Yep. Okay, so that was two. Failed again. All right. Pittsburgh. Chris Letang? I would take Chris Letang. Brian Dumoulin? I would take Brian Dumoulin. Marcus Peterson? Or Patterson, sorry? No. Okay. Cody Cece? No. Yuso Ricola? No. John Marino? Probably, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's the first team. That's the first team. Congratulations, man. What's his name? Jim C? Yeah. Jim? Buddy. Nailed it. You're batting batting one out of what? You're batting 200 right now. Yeah. Fantastic. Washington Capitals? Okay. John Carlson? Yes. Dmitry Orlov? Yes. Justin Schultz? No. Brandon Dillon? No. Nick Jensen? No. Trevor Van Riemsdyk. Absolutely not. Jonas Siegenthaler. Siegenthaler. No. Current Zinano Chara. Current no. Zinano Chara. No. Great. Failed again. So he's batting under the Mendoza line. And that's just the division. Yeah. And uh, I would say this. The Leafs fans would be over the moon if Damon Severson was playing with Morgan Riley, let me tell you. Oh, there's like, a world where that could have happened. There is a world where that could have happened. <laughs> it's so funny because I tweeted about this and Dylan Fremlin goes, I texted you every day while you were employed there mm-hmm. to ask you to trade him and you did not listen to me. I feel personally wronged. And I'm like, dude, there's a lot of people that probably feel personally wronged. By I'll that. never forgive you for that. Um, Ever. So but, you're wrong. Yeah, yeah like you're Jim literally C? wrong. Damon Severson, A, he's playing for a small market team. B, he had a bit of a rough start and there's the misconception that you need to cross check people in front of the net and break the rules. If you want to be a good defenseman, that's not the case. Damon Severson is off to a fantastic start. He, I believe he has points in both games. Um, he is dominating the shot share. He's dominating the scoring chance share. He's playing with Dmitry fucking Kulikov. Yep. Which is no like easy task. Right. Oh, it's it's, it's, it's a it's a tough. It's task. so ridiculous, and he's got this rap, and I think it's dumb. He def- he's one of the best transition defenders in the league. Like it's just in his defensive zone. Sometimes he has lapses, mm-hmm. but extremely capable defender makes good decisions on the breakout. Can run PP two. Like you got to be kidding me if you think he's overrated. He's underrated. If oh anything. yeah, not enough people are talking about Damon Severson. Not enough people. Like and it's. <laughs> I told him we were doing this today. Corey Massack or Jim C? No, Damon. Oh, okay. I told Severson we were doing this today because I was like, I have, it's 11 a.m. on a, I think it was a Sunday that I yeah. was doing it. I'm like, it's 11 a.m. and I'm already mad about Damon Severson online. 
So uh, that's enough. That's so We will not be having any Damon Seabish and slander on this podcast. Yeah. That is the most on-brand sentence I've ever heard you say. Was it's 11 a.m. on a Sunday morning and I'm already mad about Damon Severson? <laughs> that is, that is, if I were to distill you as a person down into a sentence, that's it right there. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that is that. Just please appreciate Damon Severson. And if your name is Jim C, I mean, of course his name was Jim. Yeah. But hey, look, Jim, I hope you learned something. And we're not attacking you as a person. It's just, I was just mainly proving a point. Exactly. Uh, we love you, man. But also get better opinions. And with that, we've reached the end of the podcast. Rachel, hockey is back. We have so much. We've got a conference room coming next week. We have a conference room coming next week. It'll be great. And uh, yeah, we, we cannot wait to keep, to keep doing this with actual games to talk about. There's so much to get mad about, so much to get happy about, so much to talk about, so much to, to laugh about, cry about, everything. It's great. Um, you can find the podcast on Twitter at Staff and Graph, or at, sorry, at Staff Graph. Uh, you can find Rachel on Twitter at... Rachel Dory. You can find me on Twitter. Also, Mike. yeah, I had 10,000 followers this past week, and I would just like to say, Woo! I can't believe there are 10,000 people that remotely give a shit about what I have to say. And yet there but, are. But thank you to those of you who are nice to me and to those of you who harass me and make my life not enjoyable on that app. I'm not going anywhere. So, And we will flame you on this podcast. <laughs> you will get flamed. So get ready for that. But... Yes, there. So find Rachel on, on Twitter, Rachel Dory, me on Twitter, Mikey Stevens eighty one. The podcast is part of the is a proud member of the Blue Wire Network, and we're on Apple Podcasts or iTunes if that's what you want to call it, Spotify, Google Play, any podcatcher you can find out there. Um, and yeah, we'll be back at you with another episode next week. <laughs> <laughs>